Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. But you know, that, that chorus, um, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life that I would be set free. Oh Jesus, I sing for all that you have done for me. That really is, is the crux of this morning, is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you pop that, um, that verse up, Reuben. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's from a heart of love that God gives. The, the motivation of love moves and stirs and spurs God to give his one and only son. God loved, so he gave. You know, God gives because God loves. God gives because God loves. The motivation for his giving is because of his wonderful, amazing love for us. And just to help us consider that love of God for us before anything else, um, the, the worship team here has written a song called Loyal Love, and it just describes that faithful, compassionate love of God. So um, you might have heard this if you've listened to it on the Living Rock YouTube channel or elsewhere, but um, feel free to join in if you'd like to. Stay seated if you like, uh, whatever is fine. But we're going to sing this song just to consider the love of God for us. If you'd like to join in, you're welcome to. So God gives because God loves. That's nice and clear, isn't it? God gives because God loves. And you know what? Because of that, we give because we love. You know, we love because God first loved us. And we want to love in the same way that God loves us. So we give because we love. And in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3, it says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It's really good to give to the poor. It's really, give, it's really good to give all that we have. But if it's not done in love, it's worth nothing. Giving without love is nothing, but giving with love is everything. And you know, an amazing secret is that when we give to others, you know we're actually giving to God. When we love others, we're actually loving God. And in Matthew 25, verse 35 to 40, Jesus is speaking and he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And he goes on and he says all of these things about what they have done for him. And they're confused and they say, when did we do all of these things? And right at the end it says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. It's not like you did it for me, it's you did it for me. As we love others, we love God. So we give because we love. Our love is our motivation for giving. And so within that context, we do something incredible called November giving. And Samaritan's Purse is a very big part of that because we want to give to Samaritan's Purse and to Operation Christmas Child, which we're just about to hear about. You might notice there's something that's not normally here at the front of the building, which is the donations bin. Bin's probably not the best word for it. Box, vestibule, receptacle. The, the donations receptacle, where throughout the month of November, we will be bringing in items and finance to bless and to sow and to give to things that you can see about on here. I'm not going to go into the detail because you can see it for yourself. Come and have a look after the service this morning. But one of those things is Samaritan's Purse. So James, I'm going to hand over to you first of all, and you're going to tell us a little bit more. So I'm James, as we already know, from Samaritan's Purse, and uh, uh, my good friend and colleague uh, Nick is going to come and talk a little bit more about Operation Christmas Child today. But um, I think it's great that uh, obviously I knew you guys were, you had a theme about love builds up 
Um, and Love Gives Out today, I think that was, that was just a, a great intro. And it's amazing how God speaks, doesn't he? And uh, like when I, while I was putting it together, I didn't know what you were going to say today. I didn't know about Love Gives Out. Um, and what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to give you a, an overview of Samaritan's Person, what we do, but really the heart behind it. And talk a little bit about, about love giving out, but sacri- the sacrificial giving behind that. Um, but first of all, I want to just say a massive thank you to you guys. We always say that um, at Samaritan's Purse. Everything we do at Samaritan's Purse is in partnership with a local church, whether it's on the ground, whether it's through our Operation Christmas Child Partners, whether, whether it's, it, it's partner churches helping us in disasters and crisis around the world, um, whether it's churches like this one here that make possible what we do. Um, whether that's through generosity, more importantly, whether it's through spiritual support, whether it's through prayer. Because who knows that if God's not in it, you can have the slickest program, the best people, whatever, the best setup possible. But if God's not in it, if it's great commission work, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall down. So just a huge thank you to Living Rock Church. You really are so valuable and so dear to us. And it really is a privilege to just be able to come out and share a little bit with you today. Um, So what I wanted to do, and what we always like to do, is just give you a little bit of what we call a bit of an impact report. Um, I know you guys are instrumental in supporting us when in the recent Turkey and Syria earthquakes, when we had people on the ground there. So just a few statistics, just to get into perspective. Um, what you contributed to, um, and it really is amazing. Um, as soon as the disaster hit, by the Friday afterwards, so five days af- afterwards, we, with your support, we were able to set up an emergency field hospital right there in Antakya, which is, which is uh, the old name for that is Antioch, which is, which is really cool. Uh, I don't think that was actually planned, but that's where we ended up. And we set up this field hospital there. We were able to treat eight, nearly 8,000 uh, patients in the field hospital there, um, 40, distribute 40,000 hygiene kits over the coming weeks and months, which uh, Nick over here at our warehouse and the team there, the volunteers, were just diligently and selflessly packing those boxes to get them out in a container out to Turkey. 40,000 food kits as well. Remember how many tens of thousands of people had been displaced. They had nothing. And of course, 7,000 family tents. And this is, this is just amazing. This is, we couldn't do it without you. So again, I can't say thank you enough for that. Thank you so much. And uh, you continue to support us, and we're so blessed by it. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, a little bit of background. A lot of you know this, some of you don't, but who is Samaritan's Purse? Obviously, we're a Christian international relief organization. We like to say that uh, um, when there's a fire, we run into it. We don't run away from it. We like to get stuck in there. And we've got, I would just earlier this week, I was with some of our DART volunteers, our disaster assistant response team. These are doctors, these are engineers, these are nurses that give up three, four weeks of their time to just go out and serve when there's a crisis. Um, and these guys are on the phone. As you can imagine, with things going on this week, we already had some phone calls while I was at this training to some of the staff to say, get ready to deploy. So you can imagine um, that. Um, it's a, it's a very prayerful time, but at the same time, such, such amazing volunteers, such amazing staff and team that are ready to just go when they get called. In Jesus' name, that's the important thing. 
if, um, Samaritan's Purse was set up in 1970 by uh, a man called uh, Dr. Bob Pierce, and it was the same man that founded World Vision. Um, and he set up Samaritan's Purse because after so many years, he wanted to have a really gospel-focused ministry. Because as World Vision grew, as World Vision grew, um, so it is sometimes the focus can go in different directions, but he wanted it to be all about the hope of Jesus Christ. So he formed Samaritan's Purse. In 1979, Franklin Graham, who had been working with him, took over the ministry. And, uh, and, and since then, it's grown and grown. But not so much for the sake, it has grown for the sake of numbers, but the amount of people we're able to reach with the gospel. We make no apologies that our first objective that everyone knows with us is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Um, if we move on a little bit, obviously you were aware of some of our ministry programs. Everyone knows about the shoeboxes. Everybody knows about Operation Christmas Child. You guys know very well about uh, International Disaster Relief, which, uh, which is one of our perhaps biggest growing programs at the moment. The reasons behind that, okay, it's not good, but it is good that we get to be in there and proclaim the gospel in the midst midst of crisis, but we've got international disaster relief. We've got Operation Christmas Child that Nick's going to share about a lot more today, so I won't go too much into that. Clean water projects around the world, livelihoods projects where we help families in, uh, in, in poverty-stricken countries to use the resources they've got to, uh, to build up a business and to build up a life and to support their families. Uh, women at risk, who knows women all over the world are being oppressed uh, um, all sorts of terrible things, persecuted women around the world. We go to build them up in Jesus' name and to help them and to support them so it's not, uh, uh, um, so we can give them a way out and again leading with the hope of Jesus. And that's really why, as we move on, so why does Samaritan's Purse exist? We've talked about all the kind of the practical stuff, but why do we exist? You'll see this everywhere, but it's all about helping in Jesus' name is our tagline. And we focus on, again, proclaiming the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And we wholeheartedly believe that. Um, and we make no apologies for, for it. You have some people nowadays, maybe they're cowering, they're, 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 they're kind of stepping back a little bit. But, uh, and I know this church is like that as well, unashamed completely and unapologetic about the gospel. Um, it's um, when we, um, we, uh, we, can, we can put roofs on houses, as we do. We can feed people. Um, we can give them those food bags, which is essentially a bag of carbohydrates to keep them going. It blesses them. We can give them clean water, access to clean water. We can rebuild houses, and we do that, and we go out and do that. But these things, those houses can be bombed again. That, uh, that water, they're going to get thirsty again. Um, the, the, the food can run out. They can get hungry again. All of these things can happen again. They're all temporary things. But the eternal hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ is impenetrable. So we really believe that the practical work that we do just opens up the door to hear the gospel, which is the eternal hope of Jesus. And it really does. It really does. So what you're supporting isn't just helping people. It's helping people in Jesus' name and helping getting the hope of Jesus to them. So again, thank you for that. Um, and uh, you can see here, this kind of sums up helping in Jesus' name. We follow the example of Christ by helping those in need and proclaiming the hope of the, uh, of the gospel, giving. 
giving uh, and sharing that love. If we go on to the next one. All right. Many of you will know, uh, have seen who's this handsome fellow, and then there's Charles next to him <laughs> on the picture. But uh, you'll all know Charles Smith, so I had the pleasure of taking uh, uh, Charles and, uh, and, uh, and some other of, of, of our supporters out to the Ukraine um, uh, at the latter part of last year, uh, just, to, just, to, just to show what was going on on the ground and uh, uh, um, some of the projects that we're working on there in terms of house rebuilds. This particular picture is from a, uh, a food distribution where there was this small village in the northeast part of, uh, of Ukraine that we went across to. Um, lo lots of elderly people there, so grateful every week for the guys to come around and just hand out these, uh, these, th these bags of food. And they would come there and there was uh, a bunch of local pastors um, helping hand out those bags. Um, one huge guy um, looked like a dorm. We thought he was some kind of security guy, actually. Big guy, ex-bodybuilder, and he used to be a local strongman, apparently. And his hands were like a bunch of bananas. When he shook, I, I was consumed by it. And uh, um, just a massive guy. And he's like, my name's Evgeny, and I'm a local pastor here. Uh, and he says, you've come on a good day because sometimes these, uh, these old folks here, they get a bit unruly and they even have fights and he, and he breaks them up as well. But I, I, <laughs> so, uh, so we came on a good day, but I started talking with him afterwards. Uh, and uh, just a great story that I think really kind of uh, capsulate, encapsulates um, what we're about and why we do what we do. Um, um, he said to me, you know what, we come every week and people always turn up and they line up for their bags of food. He said, I'm a, pa I'm a pastor in this little village now. And I normally have about 20 people come to my church every week. Um, but he said, since we've been handing out the last few months these bags of food to the people, I've had 400 people come by my little village church and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that really is how the practical can open up the door to the hope of Jesus. He said, my church has uh, tripled in size, so it's about 60, but the fact is that that many hundreds of people in this small, remote place, right on the edge of the red zone, uh, the conflict zone, uh, um, has seen so many people hear the gospel of Jesus. In the midst of all that, what a blessing that is. So, uh, so I think that's just a great story that really sums up um, why we exist and what helping in Jesus, his name is about. So I'm just going to go on. I'm going to do a very super short message because I don't want to cut into Nick's time or your time as well. But um, just building on that theme of love. So um, if we go, what is love? Now, if you're a bit older, I saw your eyebrows go, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Showing your age there, that song. But I really wanted to talk a little bit about, about love and sacrificial Love. You know, in today's world, it's, 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 it's interesting, isn't it? It's such a, a individual is becoming, individualism is becoming so prominent today that uh, love's often about what can I get from it rather than what can I give? And what can I give and expect nothing in return? What can I get? Oh, he, she, they make me feel good. Oh, he or she or whoever, yeah, they, they, they give this to me, so I love them. But it's, you see it everywhere nowadays, but what about what can I give? How can I give love and not expect anything in return? And we see this 
throughout the Bible as well. So that's how, how I really want to encourage you today as we go through this. Um, again, what can I give? Love gives out. Brilliant. So if we click on to the next one, I love this quote here. Now, this quote has been said by lots of different people in lots of different ways, but I love this, this uh, how Leonard Ravenhill, uh, um, a, a, a British evangelist, said it. Love has blood on it. There's no true love without sacrifice. And I think that just sums it up excellently. And of course, we know what Jesus did for us, the, for us on the cross, the greatest love of all, that he paid the price. He sacrificed himself um, for all of our sins, for all of our shame. And he rose again and he lives, lives again today. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Um, but love has blood on it. Um, we see in the next, in, in the next I've, I've put a verse up there from Ephesians. I think you guys have been through Ephesians recently, but I just love, uh, uh, I, I just love this verse here. Therefore be in, in, imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That sacrifice, that giving, it's like a sweet fragrance to God. It's absolutely amazing. And we also see in John, now this challenges me all the time, and I'm sure it challenges you, John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than to, uh, than, than to give his life for his friends. Now, my, my children and my wife at the back, I can say, yeah, no problem. I'll give my life for them, no problem. Even Nick and, and, and perhaps Rich as well, you know. You know I deliberate over it, but yeah, I think, I think I could probably do it. But what about, we're told to give our love sacrificially to each other as a church, as a body of Christ, to be able to lay down our life for each other. It's challenging, isn't it? It's difficult. I don't know whether I could do it. I know perhaps when I'm in glory and I get, when I get to that stage, eventually, yeah, I'll, it'll probably make sense then, but it kind of doesn't make sense now. So it's, uh, it's difficult, but that's the kind of level Jesus expects for, from us and to be working towards that self-sacrificial love. We're called to love sacrificially. We're called to love with no expectation of return because actually when we do that in Jesus' name, it has eternal impact. Um, and that's amazing. And that's where I'm just going to lead into We're Called Samaritan's Purse, of course. So, well, you know, I'd be, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't share uh, from Luke 10 the parable of the Good Samaritan, just to see how that kind of sacrificial love is in action. But I really want us to focus on, as I come to an end, the very last in, in 1037 verse of that, where it says, Go and do likewise. Don't just, uh, don't just sit on it. Oh, pray about it, great, and do nothing. It's all about going and doing likewise. And I know this church does that in terms of local mission, international mission. You guys are just fantastic. But just sometimes you just need a little bit of a, a, little bit of a reminder and nudge to go and do likewise. So let me just read through that parable. So if everything else I've said is rubbish, at least we've got some, some scripture, some of our daily bread today. So, and behold, a lawyer stood up Put him to the test, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, uh, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered back to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, not think about it, or, you know, yep, you can do this. Do this and you will live. 
But the lawyer desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, and then we get into the story of the Good Samaritan. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And I always find this a little bit interesting because that road would have been a busy trade route. And there'd been lots of people on it. There'd probably been lots of beggars on it. There would have been perhaps other injured people on it. But somehow he was drawn to this particular, this, uh, this particular man. So a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, compassion is part of our DNA at Samaritan's Purse. Compassion, boldness, and transformation. These things re- result in transformation. So uh, um, this, is, this, this is where we get our DNA from, but he had compassion. Someone he didn't know, someone who was, who was in the ditches of life. He was beaten down. He had compassion. He went to him and bound up in his wounds, pouring out oil and wine on them. Then he set, set, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of you, these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The one who showed him mercy, said the lawyer. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So what we see about that is not just the immediate need as well. We see, we see this Samaritan, first of all, selflessly going, showing compassion, someone he'd never met before, didn't even know what his background. He didn't know whether the guy was even faking it, perhaps, and about to get up and mug him. But he saw him, he took care of him, he took care of the immediate crisis, but also he, uh, he transported him to an inn, he took care of him, he, uh, and when he had to leave, he said to the innkeeper, you take care of him, anything you need, I will come back and pay it, end to end, taking care. What a great example of, of sacrificial love. Um, giving something, giving, going over and above to, uh, 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 to, to, to help someone, to show someone love. So again, my encouragement for that really is go and do likewise. Do like he does. Um, give what you can wisely. We're also called to, uh, to be mindful of what we give as well uh, and give with wisdom. Give cheerfully, not out of compulsion as well. Um, but um, and don't just, it's not just about generosity as well. It's about what can I give, my time, my talents, my treasures, what can I give altogether? So I'd encourage you today to go and do likewise and think, we're called to love sacrificially. So that means let's do that. Let's, get, let's put ourselves aside and put someone ahead of us and really demonstrate God's love and the love of Jesus. Amen. All right, amazing. Can we quickly go on to the next one? So Samaritan's Purse, how can you be part of it? Well, you guys already are part of what we're doing. Um, we're one body in Christ and we've all got different moving parts, but we all work together to do the one thing that uh, I've shared with you this morning. Um, But we always say there are three ways 
that you can sport Samaritan's Purse. And the first one is the most important, prayer. You don't need a penny to rub together to be able to sport Samaritan's Purse. In fact, prayer is the foundation of everything we do. If we don't have a spiritual foundation, like I said at the start, if God's not in it, it falls apart. So the biggest thing you can give to us as a ministry is pray for us. Pray for all those ministry programs and projects I shared with you. Pray for those people on the ground that are serving uh, and sacrificing for it. That is so valuable to us and that is showing, that, that is love giving out as well. And for us, it's the most important thing. Generosity, of course, that helps us do what we do. It's a very practical thing. It helps us get every, all those parts moving and into place. But I will say this. I said at the start that we partner with a local church. First and foremost, you need to give and you need to, and, and you need to give, sacrifice to the church first here. It starts with obedience. Generosity doesn't come till after obedience. So I'd encourage you as well, your first place before you even think of giving a penny to Samaritan's Purse is to give to this local church and support it and make sure it's healthy and running because as, as I said, everything we do is through the local church. So we need that to be healthy and I know this church is healthy. So obedience comes before generosity. So please support Living Rock. Pay your tithes, bring your offerings, do all that stuff first. God loves that. And then think about us in terms of giving after that. And service. Again, we've talked about volunteers. There might be skilled people in this room. We have doctors who, who every year they can take, a, they can take uh, three weeks or a month to go out and serve. Um, we have, Nick will talk about today, volunteering at a new processing centre in Coventry. We need people and groups to just come and pack boxes together and to bless those boxes as well that it's not just a process that we really are blessing it because Nick will tell you later somehow God has a way of doing amazing things with these boxes with completely random things and sometimes they always seem to get to the right person um, so lots of ways to surf packing the hygiene kits as well we're always looking for help with that and it's a great thing where congregations groups can just get together and in Jesus name just do something. Small groups can come along and do that. So uh, three ways you can support us. But again, thank you so much. And I'll leave you today with go and do likewise. Love gives out. Bless you all. Thank you. So yes, I, I'm Nick. And I get to lead the Operation Christmas Child project here in, here in the UK. So first off, I want to say I praise God for your partnership in uh, Operation Christmas Child. You give shoeboxes because God loved you. You give shoeboxes because you love the children. And on behalf of hundreds of children who've received from your generosity, thank you and, uh, for this partnership. And I, I just want to encourage you uh, this morning with what God is doing through your uh, gifts and how the gospel is going to hard to reach places throughout the world through God's church including uh, because of shoebox gifts. So the big statistics are, are exciting if I have the next slide. Um, my goodness, we're part of the world's largest shoebox project, over 10 million shoeboxes and a, a quarter of a million here from, from the UK. Now, 
What, what do you already know about this uh, Shoebox project? Um, you probably know what goes in uh, a box, if we could have the next slide. Uh, so the four, the four categories, quick reminder for you as you prepare to pack this year. So you've got personal care items. So this would be like uh, soap, face cloth, toothbrush. Uh, then you've got school supplies. You know, there are still places in the world where kids don't get to go to school unless they have a notebook and pencils and, and pens. Then what we generally call accessories, this is your hat, scarf, gloves, hairband, hair clips and, and so on. And then the, the big one, the big one for me, the toys and the games. Yeah, go to the pound land for the other three, but then lean into this one and be generous. My favourite thing is uh, a deflated football and pump, because nobody expects a football in, in a shoebox, lovely uh, cuddly toy and, uh, and so on. Now, this is probably what you're most familiar with when you think about um, shoeboxes. And then when you think about, well, what happens at the other end... If I have the next one, joy, unbridled uh, joy of a child that often wouldn't receive any other present at Christmas, just having that, that sense of delight and that understanding that they are loved by us and loved uh, by God. But the wonderful thing is, it's, um, it's a lot more uh, than that. So I've got a one minute video for us to watch and then we'll have a quiz. So if we can cue the video. When that shoebox is opened, they are overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. Oh, look at how much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoeboxes. They are so happy. Every box is important because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about his son, Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of the parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? Every year we see tens of thousands of children discipled. And we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes. Thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes. Okay, quiz time. Here we go. So first up, when uh, children are invited to, to the local church, are they told to come because they're going to receive a shoebox? They're coming to a, a fun event, a party, or they're coming to hear the gospel? So let's do it by show of hands. So how many to, because they're coming because they're going to receive a shoebox? How many because they're, not, oh, one or two, but yeah. How many, sometimes they do know, the word gets out, it leaks out. <laughs> but we try and keep it a surprise. How many for a fun event? Yeah. And then how many to hear the gospel? Yeah, okay, roughly split between the two. And um, the, the, the formal answer is, is to a fun event because what, the churches are reaching out into their communities to, to gather up the kids and come and have a, a fantastic time uh, together and then it's, it's like a surprise that they um, receive a shoebox. And also there is a simple gospel presentation and an, an invitation to come to the, the greatest journey. More about that in a moment. Okay, question two. Who gives the shoeboxes to the children? Is it 
an Operation Christmas Child qualified staff member? Is it a national leadership team member? We have these amazing church leaders and children's workers around the world who form groups who then select the churches that are going to distribute the uh, the shoeboxes and train them up. But these are wonderful men and women of of God. So they they could be giving out stuff. And then a trained local believer. So these are our church partners. So is it Nick giving out the shoeboxes? Oh, yeah, okay. Is it the national leadership team people? Yeah, a few, they do, they do. Is it the trained local believers? Yes, yes. Um, we, we absolutely uh, love this. Um, and I think the next slide gives our, our mission statement, and James has been banging on about it, together with the local church. What I love about this project is we are equipping the church to do mission, to, to build connection with kids in their their community. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Okay, um, next one. How many children participated in the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program? So the Greatest Journey, I've got the curriculum here and come and have a look at it afterwards. So these are 12 lessons where kids learn how to discover, follow and share uh, Jesus with their friends, with their, with their family. And some pretty amazing numbers there. So last year, 2022, this across 100 countries in the world, was it 2.4 million children, 4.4 million, or 35.4? So 2.4, got, got a few, 4.4, yeah, 35. Okay, so the answer is 4.4 million, which is just staggering. It, it's like the world's largest um, shoebox project, but actually all the answers are right, because 2.4 is how many children made a decision to start following Jesus. Oh my goodness. And then the 35 million figure, that's how many children have have taken part in The Greatest Journey since it started in Ecuador in 2009. What an awesome privilege to be involved with 80,000 churches around the world annually uh, getting involved uh, with us. Fantastic. Um, Question number four. Operation Christmas Child is all about spreading joy through simple gifts. It's about evangelism, discipleship and multiplication. It's about getting the Bible into as many hands as possible. So, um, spreading joy? Yeah? Evangelism, discipleship, multiplication? Yes. Getting the Bible? Yeah. I'm going with number... With B, it's actually all of these things, as, as you can get it. And this is a, a, a segue into just sharing with you the, the awesome way God is integrating the Shoebox Project into the life of the church around the world and using that to reach out to communities that don't know, uh, don't know Jesus. So here, here's the context. Next slide, please. Over uh, 7,000, next one again, please. There reckon to be the statisticians say there's 7,000 hard to reach people groups around the world, 3 billion people, of which a, a, a billion are children. Okay, next one, please. <clears throat> so the, here's a, a, a definition of a people group that's hard to reach. A people linked by culture and language who have little or no access to the gospel 
or who do not have enough Christians to evangelize their own people. Yeah, they might have a scattering of, 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 of believers, but they're, they're, they're needing support from the church outside, beyond their communities, to, to come in and, and, and build up and see gospel uh, great breakthrough. Now, in today's world, there are reasons why a group is hard to reach. It might be the classic thing that they're just a very, very long way away on a Pacific island or, or, or remote part of uh, Asia, but often it's, it's because there is already a commitment to an alternative religion, a, you know, animism, Buddhism, Islam, and, and then there's language. You know, if, if, if people don't, if we don't speak their languages or um, churches nearby don't, don't speak. But this is what we've been seeing uh, through, through God's gracious hand on Operation Christmas Child, just to uh, hit you with a few more stats, um, 17 and a half million children around the world deciding to follow Jesus because of the greatest journey. Um, and, but it's those third and fourth bullet points that really excite me. As shoeboxes are distributed, then a greatest journey class begins, then a children's club starts happening on a Saturday or a Sunday, then the parents come and suddenly you've got a, a church planted. And we're seeing roughly a thousand churches around the world start or restart. And this is, this is, this is the passion. This is what we're about. Okay? So please, please be, be encouraged by that. As, as I come into land, just a quick um, case study for you. Let me take you to Smuggler's Island off the Ivory uh, Coast. It's about um, 30 minutes boat ride from Abidjan, the, the, the capital city. And, um, you know, I'm tempted to think of Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, my goodness. It, uh, sadly, it's not that at all. It's basically where, where the sort of criminals hang out to get away from the police because they're a bit, a bit further away. It's rife, as I put on there, with alcohol, drug, and um, occult practices, and just not a, not, not a safe place uh, for children at all. And a, a local church tried three times to plant a church on, on that island. And there was one lady, part of that that, that fellowship on the on, not on the island on the on the mainland, a lady called Flora, and she attended an Operation Christmas Child training, and suddenly thought, "Hang on, the, there could be something for us here." She talked with her pastor, and the first thing he did was mobilise concerted prayer. This is if you, if any of you are involved with unreached people group ministry, you know how vital having um, intentional, sustained uh, prayer for spiritual breakthrough is so they did the prayer side and flora said god gave us faith to believe that through sharing gifts with the children we would uh, find a breakthrough so the um, next picture um, the permission was given to hold an outreach event for 150 children as a result of that 64 children attended the greatest journey one year later 27 adults and 91 children were coming to a new church on uh, Riddy Akko, however you say it. You have to praise God for that. A, a, a church in an, in an apparently impossible situation was started. And not only that, just like the multiple ministries you're doing here in the community, the church has also set up an education centre for the children to learn to read and write, since many don't go to school because their parents can't afford the ferry ride uh, across to the capital. Okay, one or two more ways for you to be involved. Uh, if I have the next slide. So, um, <clears throat> 20 minutes away from here, 
we are setting up our national uh, ministry center for Samaritan's Person Operation Christmas Child. Our plan is to check over 100,000 shoeboxes from 21st of November to just before Christmas. Little help, please. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's great fun to come and uh, uh, check the boxes, see the wonderful gifts that other people have been, uh, put in. Just check uh, that it's safe and suitable for the children to receive the gifts. Um, we're also packing the online uh, shoeboxes. So warmly encourage you to come along. Bring, bring uh, friends who are on the fringe or beyond of, of faith. It's a, it's a safe and uh, a productive um, place for that. And, and of course, do please pack shoeboxes uh, again. I'm here with my red and green boxes. If you're not a, a great wrapper of uh, shoeboxes, as I am not, those are, those are very, uh, very useful. And what's it all about, my last slide? We want to see the world's children discover Jesus. And it's happening. God's doing this in an amazing way. And you're part of that. Bless you. Okay. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.